Welcome to the Exit Your Business Your Way podcast with Ross Brayman, guiding business owners to the exit they deserve. Ross is a financial advisor who knows that business owners work too hard on growing and caring for their businesses not to leave it on their terms. Each week he interviews a different experienced business owner, expert, and other professionals ready to teach you effective, satisfying business exit strategies that will let you exit your business your way. Don't wait until it's too late. Start thinking exit now. Here's your host, Ross Brannan. Welcome to the show. Today's guest is Jessica Fialkovich. She is the owner of Exit Factor, a consulting firm that helps business owners prepare for sale. What's unique about Jessica, though, is that she was a business owner who sold and from that experience decided to help other business owners navigate the sales process. Jessica, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Ross. I'm happy to be here. All right, so let's get started. You have a very, very uh, unique background. You have a lot of history in the business world. You've done a lot. Uh, give us the Reader's Digest version, kind of where you started and where you are now. Yeah, so I started my first business when I was 24 after getting laid off from the corporate world during 2008, 2009, like a lot of people did. And I got into the wine business, actually, more for business opportunity than I'd say love for wine, although I do love wine. And through that business, I, I never had just thought I was going to hold on to it for the rest of my life. So about 30 months after my husband and I started that company, we sold that business. And that really exposed me to what it is like to sell a small to mid-sized company and what services are out there and what resources are out there or what I would say not out there and lacking. And so that led me to my next career path, which was doing mergers and acquisitions uh, for small to mid-sized businesses. So um, fast forward to today, I've been in the business about 10 years. Um, I have ownership and business brokerage firms in uh, the Western half of the US. And I also run Exit Factor, which is all focused around consulting and coaching small and mid-sized business owners to get ready for that day when they exit. Well, a lot of people don't realize being a business owner is a very lonely uh, proposition. There's not like typically trade groups for business owners or, or really, uh, you know, industry groups. I mean, there are, they're out there, but I mean, it's lonely. It's not like you can just look them up in the phone book or Google if you, I guess nowadays and mm -hmm. say, okay, I have this type of company. I need 10 of my peers to kind of walk me through, catch me up. It's kind of hard to find that type of scenario. Uh, maybe you could find some of those in like a mastermind or something, but so it's a real lonely process. Is that a fair statement in your experience? It's a very lonely process. And I think especially when you get into some critical uh, situations or decisions you can't share with your team or sometimes your family, like thinking about selling or exiting or talking about burnout or, you know, depression around your business. That's not stuff you can go to like your team with. Right. right. So I, I find that's, that's the loneliest part is when you're actually making the most crucial decisions in your business and, and your personal life. So exit factor, talk a little about specifically what exit factor does and what you have found in your experience. Yeah. So what we do is we first determine what a business is worth today. What's the value of the company today? And then we project what could be the future value when we decide to exit, whether that's two, five, 10 years from now. And then once we have that goal, what we do is we strategically plot a roadmap from getting from today 
to that future and help the business owners implement um, those plans to ensure that they're not just increasing their business value, but also increasing the likelihood that the business will sell at that end goal. Do you typically find that most business owners are a little disappointed when you give them the valuation of their company? Yeah, I find it's it's almost 50-50. Like either half of our clients think their business is worth nothing and somebody would be crazy to want to buy it, which is not true. There's plenty of small businesses that sell every year in this country. Um, And then the other half always think, and I I say it's always the round numbers, right? It's always worth one, 10 or a hundred million dollars. It's never worth like 950,000. So the other half totally inflate what the value is just based on more emotion or Google, right? Like I Google, I talked to somebody today, like I Googled and I think my business is worth this. And it's actually a much more complicated process. But yeah, half think it's worth nothing, half think it's worth more than it actually is. Now, in my experience, people typically, when they decide they want to sell, it's like, I want to sell by Friday and re- not realizing it takes two to five years of planning to maximize your value. So you could probably sell for three to five million by Friday, mm-hmm. but you could sell for 10 if you put the work in over the next two to five years. And unfortunately, people, in my experience, they come to the resolution to sell their business out of an emotional exhaustion. And so because of that, they leave a lot of money on the table and it's it's really hard to get them to kind of move forward with some real planning to, to maximize value. What's your experience in that? Yeah, actually very similar. So um, I've been involved in almost 750 deals now, and I can say probably 95% of those deals, the owners have decided to sell because of a personal or emotional reason. Um, It's not like there was this strategic plan that they were going to sell in 2022 because that's what their plan said and all that stuff. It's more situations like they're burnt out. They're stressed. They're having family issues, health issues. Um, maybe another opportunity arises um, that they didn't see coming. But for that reason, that's one of the the key reasons I, I founded Exit Factor is we don't um, take on clients and say, "Hey, you need to engage in this process two years before you're going to sell or three years before you're going to sell." We're much more proponents of running your business like it could be sold at any time. Because for those 95% of people, we have no idea when we're going to sell our companies. We might think we know, but we don't know. And this is this is what happened to me in, in my first company. We don't know when we're going to wake up that day and be totally and utterly burnt out and say, enough, I'm done. And if to your point, if we wait until that point to start the planning process, we're going to leave a lot of money on the table or maybe have something that can't be sold at all. But if we decide to run our companies from the beginning, ideally, but if not from the beginning today, we decide we're going to run it like we could sell it for any time. If and when that day does come, we've already done all the work and we can just put it on the market that day when that burnout occurs. Now, you found a number of factors that help maximize value. Could you talk a little bit about those? Yeah. So one thing that was important in establishing the company is I see uh, a lot of exit planning and exit strategies that don't tie back to the buyer market, right? So what we did is we we surveyed and did a lot of research through our buyer database to see what buyers were willing to pay more for in a business, what factors or what we call value drivers would increase that value and what uh, value or what we call deal killers would take away value from a company um, or kill a deal. 
Um, so we ha have identified about 12 different value drivers that increase the purchase price of a business and four different deal killers that will just totally kill a deal outright for the buyer. Give us an example of something that would drive value and something that would kill the deal. Yeah. So one big thing, and this is a, you hear this a lot on different educations and podcasts, but it's, it's surrounding the owner's role. So if you think about the owner being less involved in a business is a value driver. So the less the owner is involved in the business, especially in some key roles like sales and marketing, the less risk there is for a buyer um, when that transfer occurs, because now, you know, Ross, you're doing business with my company and not with me just because you like me. Right. So businesses where the owners involved less in day-to-day -day operations, um, that, that makes the business worth more. Deal killers, uh, books and records are the number one deal killer. So financial cleanliness, financial record keeping is just super critical. It's really the starting point of due diligence for all buyers. And um, if you don't have you know, like we talk about cleanliness of books and records, but also it's like history and a good understanding as an owner of like, what does your profit and loss statement mean? And how does that translate to cash returns for you as an owner? Like that, that's critical. And if you don't understand or know those answers to those questions, that's a deal killer for most buyers. So a couple of things right there. Number one, in your experience, how many small businesses are really a business owner who owns a really good job with a really good support team. And by that, I mean, they are in charge of all the sales. If they go away, the business goes away. doesn't matter if you're selling air conditioners, if you're selling widgets, if you're a construction company, whatever. In your experience of these small businesses, how many of them are like that? Most of them, like most of them, I don't have percentages, but right. most of them. And I think there's ways like, look, you can still sell a business that you're super involved in. Um, there's a huge, actually the majority of buyers are looking more for like a job than they are an investment. So there is a pool of buyers that will buy a company like that, but it will limit the value that you get on that company. And it will, it will change the deal structure. It'll shift the risk more to the seller through things like seller financing and earnouts rather than them getting cash. So most of them are like that. But I think the work, what we do with them is try to reveal how they can make it less dependent on themselves without just hiring more full-time employees or killing the profit margins of the business too. Now, books and records. In your experience, how many how many businesses have a bookkeeper or have their CPA do their bookkeeping? Or I mean, are, are they not doing that? Or are they just kind of willy-nilly and not really even, you know, reviewing it on a on a monthly basis? You know, I think it's gotten a lot better. Most small business owners do have a handle on like the bookkeeping getting done, right? And like programs like QuickBooks have made that super possible. Where I find is that the bookkeeping um, doesn't reflect the true nature of the cash returns in the business. So, and I was just talking to a potential client with this about this earlier, and his accountant for years has been advising him to spend all of his profit so he doesn't have to put ta pay, pay taxes on that money. Well, if you're spending all your money and you're you know trying to break even or show zero profit at the end of the year. When you then go to try and sell the business, which valuation is basically a multiple of earnings, and you've had no earnings for the last five, 10 years, the company is not worth a whole lot. So your books and records issues more come to how you're categorizing um, all that income and those expenses and how you're presenting that to a potential buyer down the road. And I do think it's a much different 
I'll call it mindset of running a business. Like it's going to be valuable and sold down the road than it is to avoid paying taxes. Right. Well, And that's a good point because I think a lot of people miss the point that everybody exits their business. Yes. Yes. You could sell it like you did, or you could die at the desk. And when you die at the desk, Mm -hmm. your estate or your spouse sells the business. And if you don't have it set up properly, they're going to be selling it for pennies on the dollar. So what are some of the things that that you see are the easiest first steps for business owners? Like, because you deal, I mean, in your brokerage side, you're typically dealing on smaller transactions. Is that correct? Yeah. Our average transaction is about one to one and a half million in transaction value. Okay. So in that space, what do you see as the first or second easiest things that somebody can do to increase value? Yeah. So we talked about maintaining books and records. I think the easiest exercise you can do as a business owner is I'd say, take back control, let your bookkeeper still do the reconciliations and categorizations, but go through your profit and loss statement once a quarter and ask yourself on every expense in the business. One, is this expense still necessary for the business to operate? And two, is it still working? And if it's not, if the answer is no to either one of those questions, eliminate that expense. And that's the fastest way to increase your profit margin and just show more earnings in your business, making the company more valuable. When we started this practice, I did the whole exit uh, factor planning on my company. And the first year I did that quarterly practice, we increased our profit by 40% in the first year without growing at all, without doing anything else, just eliminating expenses that were unnecessary and not working. Well, it's almost like, you know, we all have a Netflix, a Hulu, a Disney Plus. Next thing you know, we've got $200 in subscriptions that we may not even realize we have, we're not even using. And it's Mm -hmm. a much smaller scale. We all probably have, business owners have it too, except instead of $12 a month, it might be $1,200 a month. And uh, that adds up real quick. Yeah. And then as you add team members to your organization too, you grow, same thing. You know, they have corporate cards and there's things that are going on there that, you know, our marketing director at one point had two different email subscription services. We had MailChimp and ActiveCampaign. Like, why do we need two, right? right? And, you know, just things that you just don't realize are there. Yeah. So what do you see happening in the business market from a sales standpoint in the last 12 months with the rise in interest rates? Is that affecting the M&A market in your, uh, for what you're saying? So yes, but not as much as people would think. So the, the business for sale market, especially in what's called where we operate Main Street in the lower middle market, we just had our craziest two years that we've ever seen. Demand, buyer demand was unprecedented. I think at one point we were seeing three to four times the buyer volume that we had seen in 2019. So what we're seeing with the interest rates is more of a plateauing than it is a drop-off. It's not growing as much, but um, we're also not seeing drop-off in buyer interest. And because of that, I like to explain the business for sale market is much more dependent on the supply demand economic principle than anything else. So there are always many more buyers um, that are looking for good businesses to buy than there are good businesses that are available for sale. You know, on average in, in our brokerage offices, we'll see one to 200 buyers for every business that's listed for sale. So as long as you've built a good company that has good earnings um, and done some of the things we talked about earlier, there's plenty of buyer demand. And no matter interest rates go up, down, inflation's up, down, as long as that supply and demand doesn't change, the business for sale market's still very favorable for sellers. 
Do you think one of the reasons why the business buyer market exploded was basically it's the one of the side effects of COVID? People are like, you know, I'm done working the corporate world. I'm done doing this and that. I'm finally going to chase my dream and go do this or whatever. Yeah. So it's funny, like every year we see a, a spike in buyer demand around uh, Q1 right after New Year's resolutions. And if you look, the second number two or three resolution every year is I want to change my career. And I think that that usually is that spike of people that want to chase their dreams. Well, during COVID and during the pandemic, um, we had that phenomenon called the great resignation, where for a long period of time, people wanted to change their careers so they had more control. And it was really interesting but because before that, uh, we were a little bit worried as a, as a community because over 50% of all small businesses are owned by the baby boomers. Um, the baby boomers are a very entrepreneurial generation and the millennials really hadn't stepped up. Like millennials were not an entrepreneurial generation until two years ago. And so it's like, it's almost like this blessing in disguise that COVID and the pandemic pushed that generation to want to become more entrepreneurial. And that's where we saw that buyer demand increase, but it also solve that gap of like, Hey, all these baby boomers are going to exit who, who are going to buy these companies. Now we have a solution for that. So one of the silver linings of the pandemic. So in the lower middle market where you're at in the million to million and a half range, what's the success rate for new buyers when they buy a company? You know, so I don't really know the answer to that question because we don't we don't typically since we're, on, since we're on the sell side we don't typically track the success rate of of buyers. Um, I will say one of the big topics that our clients ask about is seller financing and like what percentage of seller financing notes get paid back in full. Um, so that's kind of a success metric for buyers, and and we see about eighty to eighty five percent of those notes get paid back in full. So. Buyers, for the most part, do fairly well. If they don't, sometimes we'll have a, a buyer that gets into a business and realizes it's a lot harder becoming a business owner than they originally thought. And typically what they'll do is they'll end up reselling the business um, to another another party so they can get out of it. Right. So Jessica, if a business owner wants to work with you and Exit Factor, who is the person who should be working with you, reaching out to you? And how do they do that? Yeah. So I'd say the person that should be reaching out to us is someone that is thinking about selling their business in the future. Especially if you think that day, and we talked about timelines, like sometimes we don't know the timeline, but if you think that day is less than five years away, um, it's a really important time to start that conversation. And you can find us at exitfactor.com. If you go to backslash podcast, we've got some free downloadables, free resources, and you can connect with me directly there as well. And what do you see from results typically? What kind of value, if they follow your system, your process, what kind of value drivers from a percentage standpoint are you seeing typically with your clients? Yeah, so it's a great question. So on average, our clients that have completed the program and decided to exit, on average, they've uh, increased their business value as much as 57%, and 100% of them have made successful transitions and exits. Uh, 57% is not bad, I would say. That's yeah. a very, very, very successful. So is there anything that I didn't ask you that I should have asked you, Jessica? No, I think we covered some good topics. We talked about 
when, how, why you prepare to exit. We talked about the market conditions. And, and I tell, I'd say I'd finish it up with like, look, the business for sale market's always going to be active. It's always going to be favorable with the sellers. But the better you position your company, it's just like competing in any other in, in any other business industry. When you go to sell, you'll be competing against other sellers. So the better positioning you can have for your company, the better value you're going to get, the better deal terms, and honestly, the better legacy you'll have for your company. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's so true. It's so true. Well, Jessica, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much, Ross. You've been listening to the Exit Your Business Your Way podcast with Ross Brannon. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Paz, Guardian, or North Florida Financial, and opinions stated are their own. Ross is a registered representative and financial advisor, Park Avenue Securities, LLC, Paz. OSJ, 3664 Coolidge Court, Tallahassee, Florida, 32311, 850-562-9075. Security products and advisory services offered through Paz, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. North Florida Financial is not affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. Arkansas Insurance License Number 16139032. California Insurance License Number 0L10073. 2023-149297. Expires 125.